My name is Dr. Brian Thatcher, and welcome to Mercy Unbound. In today's podcast show, I will be speaking with Cassandra Baber, a national pro-life speaker, founder of Momdacity, and a mom who conceived and delivered a baby boy after being sexually assaulted. Isn't abortion automatic after such an attack? Why would anyone carry the baby to term? Or perhaps doesn't abortion create a new problem rather than fix the first? Listen as Cassandra discusses these topics and more. And I hope you enjoy the show today. My name is Dr. Brian Thatcher, and welcome to Mercy Unbound, a series that aims to provide hope, an avenue for healing, and one that will help you better understand the great mercy of God. In today's show, I'll be speaking with Cassandra Baber, a national pro-life speaker, founder of Momdasty, and a mom who conceived and delivered a baby boy after being sexually assaulted. Isn't abortion automatic after such a situation? Why would anyone carry the boy to term after being assaulted? Or perhaps, does an abortion create a new problem rather than fix the first? Listen as Cassandra discusses these topics and more. You can also listen to the podcast at anchor.fm slash dr, Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, Thatcher. And know that I would love to speak at your church on the Eucharist, Divine Mercy, Our Lady, and the Gift of Life. Please subscribe for free updates and support us if you can. And I hope you enjoy this exciting show. Cassandra, thank you for joining us today on Mercy Unbound. And um, I was very touched after watching a couple of your video clips and um, I'd like to just maybe start out by, could you just share with us a little bit about yourself and what happened? Sure, so I'm Cassandra, as you said. Um... I um, did conceive a child through rape, as you mentioned. Um, when I was 18 years old, I was a very new freshman in college um, and a very young, I would say a young 18 year old, uh, rather naive. And I was um, actually at a club and a man perpetrated me who was about 30 years old. I was um, a very young 18 year old. Like when I tell you I was young, I looked like I was about 12. Um, this was an 18 and older club and, um, he, he pretty much groomed me. Um, for those of you who don't understand those terms, like those are sexual predator terms. I, he groomed me. He eventually led me, got me to go outside with him and trapped me in an alleyway. And, um, I pretty much out of fear and maybe even shock, I'm still, I still deal with the consequences of the trauma of the rape. And I still go through um, various dealings uh, within myself to figure out exactly what it was that made me stay. You know, I was afraid. And he basically said, if you don't have sex with me, you know, I'm going to do something to you, essentially. I'm, um, so obviously I became pregnant and I really didn't understand what happened I know that sounds strange to people, but um, many sexual assault victims say these things. They're, these perpetrators are very clever in how they um, bring in their victims. And clearly he had done this before. He knew where to go. I had lost my friends. There's was before cell phone. He was leading me to different places. Um, one of my 
my amazing sexual assault therapist said that I saved my own life by going with him. So long story short, I didn't talk about it for 17 years. Um, I, I, I found out I was pregnant five weeks later and I went into mom mode. I was uh, scared, but excited to be a mom. Um, I was, go ahead, Brian, were you going to say something? No, I was just going to, while you were talking, what's going through my head is I'm the father, we have four daughters and, uh, you know, you send your little 18 year old daughters off to college and very naive and don't think things like this happen and men could do such a thing. And, uh, you just pray that it doesn't happen. And, um, you know, I'm sure. So you found out you were pregnant. I mean, what kind of thoughts were going through your head? Your single 18 year old woman going to have a baby. Yeah. I, so I think initially I was just, I, I didn't have any emotion. I was in shock. Um, and I had a lot of voices, right? A lot of liberal, young liberal college students. I was at a very wealthy private school. I was not a wealthy girl. <laughs> I came from a small town, not a lot of money whatsoever. And these were girls who went to private schools and drove Jaguars. And I'm not saying that to uh, put them down. I'm saying that because they were they were raised with different values. And they immediately told me I didn't have money, so I had to have an abortion. And these were the voices that I was receiving. And I knew I would not have an abortion. I was raised um, Catholic, devout Catholic. But beyond that, I knew abortion was wrong from a very early age. And that was only through the grace of Christ. Um, I forgot exactly how old I was, but I saw that my grandmother worked, uh, volunteered for birthright. Um, and I get emotional when I talk about this because God is so good. I saw my grandmother showed me the silent scream video. Mm-hmm. Do you I remember that? It. Oh yeah. And I was probably like 12. I couldn't, I was I immediately, it was like, it was like, it was like God stamped me. Like that was it. And from that point on, I was I was vocal about being pro-life. I mean, at that time in my life and where I lived, being pro-life wasn't a big deal. It wasn't something that we talked about or debated, but I did do a debate um, when I was in eighth grade. And when I did find out I was pregnant and my family found, and you know, I, I told my family, my grandmother said, I knew you wouldn't hurt your baby because you did that speech in eighth grade. Um, so I was, I was, I was scared, but I was determined, I guess, if that makes sense. And I really kind of just shut down. I stayed to myself. I focused on my schoolwork and focused on taking care of my child. Were your family around or what kind of support system did you have at that time? Um, I was I was at a, co- I'm not gonna say which college. I was at a college in Florida where I was going to, to school and I did finish out the year that was really important to me. So um, I didn't, I had some really good friends around me. My parents, uh, my father was immediately supportive um, and he and my son became best friends. And my mom was supportive very soon after she stopped freaking out. Yeah, <laughs> As yeah. you might imagine a devout Irish Catholic mom might do. 
and they didn't, I didn't talk, like I said, I did not talk about the rape. I didn't talk about it for 17 years. So really? when they asked me about the father, I don't remember saying this, but my dad said, when he asked, I said, don't ask me and I'm never talking about it. And I don't talk like that to my parents, like, especially my dad. So that was surprising to me when I did tell them that they both said I had said that to them individually. Wow. Yeah. So I had good support though from them, especially my father. And once my mother got over the initial feeling like she did something wrong because she felt like she did something wrong, but you know, maybe yeah. that's yeah. that. You know, if you were to ask probably a hundred people in our society right now, 99 at least would probably say, well, of course you're going to have an abortion. Uh, that's like the main number one reason for having an abortion. But yet, if you look at things, isn't that just creating another problem? You're not really, you never, a person doesn't forget the rape, I assume. And, and now you've got to deal with if a person has an abortion. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So it, that infuriates me. I'm, I, you know, you're going to hear me be very bold about this. It's ludicrous. And I know that um, even our pro-life Christian and Catholic brothers and sisters say these things. And this is why I came out very boldly with my story and with my organization. My son never made me think of being raped. The rapist's actions made me think of being raped. He, that rape is why I have PTSD. The rape is why I have flashbacks. My son brought me joy. He brought me joy in this horrendous darkness that I didn't even quite understand. And he, his life made my life easier. And I want to tell you the actual statistics behind rape because Planned Parenthood will never tell you that. And the only reason Planned Parenthood talks about rape is because they want to emotionally manipulate everyone. It's an emotionally manipulative argument and it's in, it infuriates me. I do not give that organization or any pro-choice, pro-abortion person permission to use my trauma to kill babies. Absolutely unbelievable to me. And I refuse to be silent about that. Until these people stop using my trauma, I will keep speaking. I will be speaking till I can't speak anymore. Let me tell you what the real stats are because there have been studies that Planned Parenthood ignores, that the pro-choicers ignore, but I go by facts, I go by information. 77, so Sandy Maycorn, these are both doctors and psychologists and um, Dr. David Reardon, they each did a study of women who conceived through rape. They, one was in the seventies, one is, was done in 2006. They came up with the exact same results. 73% of women who, had, who conceived through rape chose life. That's a bigger percentage than women who become pregnant and have abortions. We, cannot allow rape to be an excuse for an abortion. What other crime is the one, are one of the victims destroyed because of that crime? I, go, kill the rapist. If you wanna kill someone, kill the rapist. This is completely unacceptable behavior. Rapists go free. Do you know who loves abortion? Rapists. Right. They love it. What, they have nothing to worry about. Pedophiles love abortion. 
this is not okay. I urge your viewers, and I know you have a lot of Catholic viewers, please stop allowing people to tell you that it is that, uh, that rape that abortion is okay if rape is involved. It's not. You know, if you even look in the medical journals or books describing how to do an abortion and things, they're using terms like dismembering the arms and legs and crushing the skull and, you know, and, and um, the scream video, I uh, they suck out the baby and whoosh, through a tube and into the jar and, and uh, the doctor said something like, uh, beam me up, Scotty, you know, like this is a joke. And um, we know the human heart is beating at 22 days. All the organs and things are developing and growing and how, how can you say this thing is not, a human is not living, it's growing, it's living, and yet they're saying it's just a glob of cells, and yet well, why would you want to harvest organs if it's not a human being? And the logic is terrible. I saw something the other day, Cassandra, where the satanic, a satanic group was suing one of the states, maybe you yes, saw that's it? the newest. The, uh, inhibiting abortion rights was going to interfere with their satanic rituals. I know. Does that not speak to people? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't get it. Like, the Satanic Church is telling you that abortion is a Satanic ritual. I've known this for years and years and years. No, nobody wants to fight. I, I don't get it. And when I say nobody, of course, I many of your viewers are fighting. I just we have to we have to be bigger and bolder. This is a crisis. But I also think our society is so ill-informed and yes. uh, even if you look at i think I believe it was jefferson said that the uh, destruction of the republic will happen due to an ill-informed um voting block and you look at people they don't they don't know they the news right. media is controlled and we're just um it, it's sad we've got to stand up and fight uh, and uh be careful so, how we use words yeah. and things I, I, I agree with you that we are ill-informed and that's one of the reasons that I started Momdacity because I want to empower women with um, information that they don't have about motherhood and abortion. However, everyone has the same opportunity to find information that I have. I happen to be a former journalist and I'm in, I've been in marketing and now I'm going into law we all are accountable in our own way. So yes, at, we, we are ill-informed, but by choice. And right. um, we're, we're at a point that we have a lot of information available to us. And what God has told me and said to me that we need to build armies. We need to build pro-life armies. And um, my intention is to build a group of people who are as passionate about ending the destruction of human beings as um, as I am, and as the there is a small percentage of us who are, and I'm not um, I'm not condemning anyone. I just think that we people don't understand the gravity of it. Planned Parenthood, specifically. So first of all. 1.5 million Americans are killed a year by abortion. 
3,000 Americans per day by abortion. America, this is the United States of America. And it's not because of rape and it's not because of incest. 95% of abortions are because essentially of inconvenience. Incon right, right. When we're killing human beings out of convenience, doesn't that suggest we're in a crisis? You know, the irony too, Cassandra, is our society, there's so much hate right now and intolerance and we don't respect anybody, each other, and people are walking around wondering, how are we going to get out of this? Well, I would suggest this is probably the main social issue of the day. And until we start respecting human life from conception to natural death, the old people, the disabled, uh, the infants in the womb, the uterus is supposed to be the place where it's the most, they're the most safest, you know? Amen. Amen. And I, I agree with you entirely. And <clears throat> when I, I, I've had these conversations during our election time that, you know, um, a lot of Christians did, did not vote pro-life because of the candidates in office. And I, and, and, you know, to their credit came to me because I had no, I had no um, uh, tolerance for that. And, you know, why, why, why do you have no compromise? Because without the fundamental right to life, we don't have an America. Without the fundamental right to life, we don't have social issues. We cannot continue to stand by and watch and allow our children to be destroyed. And Planned Parenthood has, has the, they have us. They have the country. They have people believing that life does not begin at conception. They have people believing that a, a baby in the womb is not a baby, is not human, even though science is very clear about that. And even the major pro-choice uh, debaters at this point, they won't debate the fact that this is not human because you can't. Right. They do very disgusting, unethical things. Of course, they have to because abortion makes millions, billions of dollars a year for them. They can't run their institution without abortion. They're also the most racist, systemically racist institution in the probably the world, but at least in the country. We have 13% of 13% um, of our country's Black American women, 40%. Uh, of our abortions are of black Americans. You know, you know, if I could jump in, I, I yeah. interviewed um, Catherine Davis recently, and she's an African American attorney from Atlanta. Okay. And, oh, uh, well, well written, well spoken, and she talked about Margaret Sanger, population control, eugenics, and how this was all set up. And it's really an effort to minimize the minority population. That's exactly right. So I won't even touch that topic. You know, they they bought into it, and uh, that's yes. another amazing thing. Yes, and I um, with Mondacity, we focus specifically on those issues um, all through February. So um, I'm sorry. I'll spell I, that I, out so the people watching this can go to your. Uh, yeah. So tell us it, how to tell us how to get to watch your educational. Yeah. Uh, so right now, um, the organization is in its first phase. So bear with us as we are growing. We I began in November and um, we're in the first phase of just pushing out information and me speaking and um, I'm just pulling together. I have a team now 
that um, is supporting me. But so you can find me on Facebook, Momdacity, M-O-M-D-A-C-I-T-Y. So it's like Audacity and Mom. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at Momdacity underscore pro-life. You can email me at Momdacity at gmail.com. Um, and you can find me on Facebook individually as Cassandra Faber, B-A-B-E-R. How, do, how do you spell your first name, Cassandra? It's C-C-A-S-S-A-U-N-D-R-A. Um, and please find me personally on Facebook and, you know, just tell me, hey, I heard you on such and such Brian's show. So I don't think you're a creep. You know, um, I heard one of your interviews and you talked about how these pro-choice women actually limit choice. Could you share with us your thoughts on that? So one of the things that, you know, we get blasted a lot and which doesn't make sense, of course, is that the pro-life movement only cares about babies being born. I mean, first of all, oh no, what a terrible insult that we want human beings to not be destroyed before they're born. Um, but secondly, if, the, if choice was so important to the pro-choice movement, they would make sure that women had the choice to have their children. And what would that involve? That would involve appropriate housing, appropriate finances, appropriate mentorship, which is all, which are all the things that the pro-life community does. So you know that, and, and they would make it affordable to adopt. Um, there would be very different resources, but pro, the pro-choice movement does not want women to have their children. And I'm going to be very clear about why. The abortion industry, once again, makes billions of dollars for a lot of people. Um, they do this through birth control that fails. So they know that birth control will fail. They use low dose hormones for young girls. They market to these girls from the time they're in kindergarten. They teach them how to be comfortable with their bodies. So they're comfortable with their bodies. So then they're comfortable having sex and it goes on and on and on. They give them birth control that will fail. They need to have abortion in order to make money. They train their, their crisis callers to make sure these girls have abortions. They train their crisis callers to put girls in a panic that their parents won't support them. There's nobody that will help them have a ba their baby. We know that's not true. And we know that abortion is not the answer. Abortion doesn't stop any of these social ills. Abortion has not stopped poverty. Abortion has not stopped rape. Abortion has not stopped sexual assault. It hasn't made women go further in their careers. We now have a society of women who can't be mothers, who have to choose their career before motherhood. So now it's, we have, we have women who are told they can't be mothers until they're a certain age. So they're on birth control until 40 years old, and then they're ready to have children. And they can't because they're infertile. And they're infertile. I mean, I, I won't even get into the birth control discussion about infertility. That's a whole nother discussion. But many have had abortions and that is a very serious trauma to the woman's body. This is not just a, a little, a little like snip and it's gone. You take a pill and you, and you pee. It's not like, I know a lot of procedure. 
years ago, Father Frank Pavone and I had written a little book uh, called uh, Rachel Weep No More. And uh, in it, we talked about mm. the part of it was the complications of abortion. There are certainly many. You have the mental, psychological, spiritual, emotional, right. you know, higher addictions, higher alcohol, yeah. sexually transmitted disease. And it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's very difficult because the people, you know, a lot of them realize, hey, I did something really here that wasn't right. And uh, they struggle with it interiorly. They do. And especially, they especially struggle when they start having their own, they actually start having children. So just think about how we treat women who don't want their babies and women who do. Women who don't want their babies, it's a bunch of cells. It's not living. It's not growing. Women who want their babies, are, it's a baby. It's growing. It's moving. You can't eat fish. You can't drink caffeine. You can't take certain medications because it will hurt the baby. So it's a lie. And it's a lie that women believe because they want to justify abortion at the end of the day. There's a lot of pain around abortion. People think that women who have abortions deserve some kind of protection. They certainly deserve compassion, but we can't protect them from the truth. That's not fair. You know, Father Pavone had said to me recently, um, you know, no lie can live forever. And uh, I think that's the encouraging part of all this. One of the arguments I've heard, even from people I know very well, post things on Facebook like, oh, the pro-lifers, uh, you know, you, you want the woman to hold on to her baby and have the baby, but there's no support afterwards. I, I know that's not the case in our community. And again, people are ill-informed and they're too lazy to uh, research because they want to stay in their mindset and the path of least resistance. And how about in your area? Are there uh, things that the community does, the government does, or church does to help women? Yeah, so I live in Charlotte. I've been here about a year and a half. Um, and yes, there. from what I do know here, and you know, I, 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 I'm out nationally, but we have a maternity home. The churches are extremely active here. There's a group called um, Love Life that has a mentorship program, an adoption program, and a sidewalk counseling program. Um, they're fantastic. Um, look them up. And then their model of sidewalk counseling has is being used all over the all over the the country now. Um, we have, you know, we're the South. Charlotte is um, is good. The churches are good to their people. And I just want to say that there's never an excuse to kill a human being. I find that to be really gross. So if I suddenly lost, if I had five children and I was making great money and then I suddenly lost my job, which one of my children am I going to kill? Because I couldn't afford one. That's what abortion is. Right. I can't afford this child, so I have to kill him or her. We don't do that when children are at a different stage of development. Why are we doing this when they're at this at this other stage of development. We live in the United States of America that has the opportunity, financial opportunities, educational opportunities for women like myself who lived in a poor family. 
you have to want it. You have to go forward. It, there are people who will help. God doesn't, God doesn't turn his back on single mothers. He doesn't turn his back on women who say yes to life. You have to make a serious choice that you don't want help. God, God plain and simple, supports mothers. And truly and honestly, it's the only way that I got through it. I went to him for everything. You know, if you look behind me, you see the image of Jesus, the divine mercy. And, uh, you know, he told Faustina, I am love and mercy itself. You know, yes. never be afraid to approach me. I have to tell you something really special and beautiful. And I only just remembered this recently. And I just told my mom when I was, um, I, I had a very, I was very intentional that I wanted to have natural childbirth. I did not want drugs. I had no idea what I was thinking, but I did it. And um, I had a very hard labor at 26 hours of labor and a very hard, um, difficult delivery. Um, and I had a really uh, kind and loving coach who helped me through the process. And she told me to have a vision of something to focus on. They, I, the other women and uh, dads will, will remember this. So I didn't know what this image was, but, but I envisioned Jesus, the divine mercy. It, 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 and it's, um, I remembered it recently and I'm like, mom, that I just realized that I was seeing the divine mercy and my son has literally brought so much mercy into our family um, and so much mercy to me. And I believe the perpetrator that there is mercy there for him as well, because what joy and, and uh, love my son brought into our lives. So I, I had to share that with you because I think it's so powerful and um, how I didn't know that that was the divine mercy. I didn't really understand what divine mercy was until probably five, who knows, when I, I could like concentrate on those things. But you know, the other thing <laughs> at is- At some for, point. The other thing is for women who have had abortions, mm. many of them think that that is the unforgivable sin mm. and they struggle with that. And that is not, church teaching that is not the Jesus King of mercy and but you know you have to a ask for his mercy b be merciful to others and c completely trust in God and turn it over to him and give it up and uh you know he hates the sin but he loves the sinner and we absolutely. forget that and um, absolutely you know I I'm with you on that I I'm always surprised I've had several women confide in me about their abortions. And I'm always surprised, right? Because I'm so vocal about, about it. I, you, you know, my work and I countless, countless women. And I have brought so many of them, if they were Catholic to confession or to repentance, they didn't know that that was an option for them. They didn't know that I, I have several friends who left the church because of it they couldn't go to their priest. They didn't feel like they could go. And I think that that is the, that is the greatest evil of the devil, like the greatest lie that you're not forgiven. Oh my gosh. When I find out a woman has had an abortion and she's looking for help, I, I, I drop everything. That is the woman that I want to support. She is the one that needs the most mercy um, and compassion. You know, as a physician, the, the church really is a, a hospital of the spiritually sick. 
And um, that's a great work of mercy to help someone heal because you know that there's a lot of woundedness after these procedures and uh, it's a beautiful work of mercy. And um, can I ask how, how old is your son or how, how's he doing? And Yeah, he's doing really well. He will be 25, yes, 25 in June. And he is a software engineer. He is um, in terms of personality, complete opposite of his mother. He's very introverted. Um, so I only get to talk to him when he calls because he doesn't, he's not too chatty. So, um, he's, he's been this brilliant genius since then, since like conception clearly. And, um, he's been a really blessed, a real huge blessing to raise. He's been a very easy child to raise. Um, he's been way more responsible than me in his lifetime. Um, and has really made me a better human being. Um, it's amazing. It's really amazing how easy he was to raise. Um, I assume with all of your talking and things, he's aware of the situation of his birth. Yeah, so um, he was the first person I talked to uh, when I did finally face the, the actual trauma. And he, I asked him if he wanted to know about his conception. And I told him it was not like a, 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 a very unnecessarily a nice, you know, story. And he said, yes. Oh, no, actually what he said is only if it's okay with you, mom. Oh, wow. So this is the kind of boy that we're talking about. Mm. And, um, and when, when my, when he speaks, it's powerful because he speaks few words. Um, yeah. So he, he, um, you know, he's not going to be out there talking, you know, and, and doing this work that I'm going to be doing, but he is a beautiful testimony of what God gives in potentially difficult circumstances. He has invented things that have allowed for you and I to even be doing what we're doing right now on this computer. Um, I, I always tell this story about this one day I had had a really long day at work. Um, I was a marketing director for a, a community foundation. It was just like one of those days and he was probably like 15 or so. And I came home and he had, um, we had spring break and he, I came home and I said, Hey, you know, what'd you do today, honey? And he said, well, I made software that, um, now allows me to, uh, that, allows me to voice activate our lights and our television. And then I made the, I made our television into a touchscreen TV. <laughs> and, he, and then he said, what did you do today? And I said, nothing. I did nothing at all <laughs> compared. So, I mean, I, it's really funny because my friends have been family have enjoyed, enjoy the stories of Cassandra and Dakota because like their stories, like, why are there computer parts in the bathroom kind of thing, right? Like your dirty underwear and your computer parts are in the bathroom. That's what it's like to live with a computer genius. But now he's got his own place in Manhattan. I don't have to worry about all that. He's so, fancy pants. While you were speaking, I was reminded of the quote years ago, Mother Teresa made of how we, um, she said children are an inconvenience, a burden and a nuisance and they're the greatest gift. And uh, during the AIDS epidemic, someone, you know, sarcastic, sarcastically asked her, you know, well, if God's so merciful and why is any 
send us somebody to that could cure AIDS. And she said, well, he has several times, but you keep aborting them. And I, uh, there you go. You know? Yes, I just said, I just told someone that recently. Um, and I, I, you know, and I got it wrong because I thought it, it was, I thought it was an apparition of Our Lady. And I said, I thought it was cancer and, and AIDS. Well, oops, sorry, whoever I told that to, not quite. <laughs> Um, I know. And do you know, she also told um, Hillary Clinton that the reason there was no female president yet was because she was aborted. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I know. She's great. Well, Cassandra, keep up the great work. Tell the people again how they can, what's the website address or the, not the website, the Facebook and. Uh, yeah, sure. So um, it's momdacity m-o-m-d-a-c-i-t-y um and at momdacity underscore pro-life and um you can find me at cassandra faber b-a-b-e-r um also just keeping in mind next year i'm working on i'm putting together a conference for next year that will bring mothers and daughters together to teach them how to have the conversation of a about abortion with each other and then with others. So this is this is how we're starting to build these armies. We need to have ambassadors for life. Um, and um, I'm really, I'm really, I never have these conversations. I generally don't have these conversations and I never have to bring religion in. It's all, science gives us all the information we need. Um, logic gives us all the information we need about abortion. We have the statistics. So it's just about arming our, I, for some reason, God is asking me to do this with mothers and daughters right now. So please pray about that. Do you have a date set or? I don't have a date yet. Okay. Well, keep us would, posted. Get back. I to will. Next year, um, I'm imagining around uh, this time next year, putting together the speakers right now. So if y'all could keep that in your prayer. See, I'm saying y'all, I've only lived in Charlotte for two years. Um, if you could keep that in your prayers, I would really appreciate it. And um, I do speaking engagements and virtual, um, virtual lecture? Zoom interviews type thing. Yeah, I don't know how what they're calling hopefully them. That'll, hopefully that'll open up here pretty soon. We'll all be out on the circuit spreading, but um, well, Cassandra, I really want to thank you for joining us uh, on uh, Mercy Unbound. Um, you can also listen to the podcast at anchor.fm slash Thatcher. Um, support us if you can. Subscribe uh, to the series. We've got a lot of great speakers coming up. And uh, Cassandra, I just encourage you to keep up the great work. And uh, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can. And uh, hatred cannot drive out hatred, only love can. So keep up the great work. We'll get back to you hopefully soon and stay in touch. And God bless all of you. Thank you so much. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel for the video portion. The podcast can be heard at anchor.fm slash drbryan, B-R-Y-A-N, Thatcher, T-H-A-T-C-H-E-R. And on all the major podcast forums. I would love to speak at your church or conference, and please consider supporting our efforts to spread the truth to a hurting world. Thank you again. And for more information, go to the website at drbryanthatcher.com.